0: I think it's going to and it's going to stop. This is I Am a Griefist, a childhood cancer grief journey podcast. If you want to talk about sort of his last moments, you don't have to. Yes. So he relapsed and that was totally out of nowhere and it was a huge blow. But, you know, like we'd see other parents in the family rooms and they would be like, How are you so okay? And like, well, we've done this once. We can do it again. Right. You know, like, we know what this is. Right. And I was I never ever thought ever that we would lose him. Right. Mm-hmm. But you know, like first round came round and he took it in his stride and he was great and we had no issues whatsoever. And we go in there and we go in to have his bone marrow and check to see how it's gone. And he's running down the halls and you know, he's happy as, as always. Trying to keep the door shut so he can't get out. <laughs> <laughs> and we got the results back. And I remember mum was with me and there was three people that came in for the meeting and we were like, oh, no. Oh, no, what does this good. mean? You know, and they came in and they were like, look, I'm sorry, but we've only been able to half. Have, we haven't got as much of a response as what we wanted. We've only been able to bring it down to maybe 40." ish percent leukemia cells and to me i'm like that's great from Mm -hmm. 90 to 40 Mm -hmm. why don't we go again and we can get it down to zero yeah and they said so we've decided that it's not worth doing this same one again like they have this national meeting but then they also have this international meeting and they every week they have the one all around australia and then once a month i think they have the international one and they, they talked to all of them, but yeah, so they had brought up all these other names. And so they're like reading off these three options, all sound like robots, the Mm. names of the drugs, you know, like, and Clax was one of them. And they said, you know, we're thinking this is number one, we'll try and get on that first. There is one in the hospital we may be able to get to, but that's a trial drug and they've got enough AML participants in the trial. So we would have to get it on compassionate grounds. And we were both like, well, we've heard about venetoclax. I've read about it on all the AML pages. I've heard that it does great things. Yes. Jump mm-hmm. on that one. Let's go for that one. And mm-hmm. um, the other one was gemtuzumab, uh, which does sound like a robot. Um, <laughs> I'm like, that <laughs> sounds there great. <laughs> <laughs> there was something else that was like a number of you know, and they said, you know, if it's still a number, it's very early trial stages. So we jumped on venetoclax and Charlie's main oncologist was away at the time. So we had a different oncologist. We still knew her quite well from the clinic, but it was very hard for them to get the drug. It took a month for them to finally get approval, get it in. We had people from all over the world (laughs) contacting this company saying, you need to give him this, like you cannot hold off any longer. He needs it now. And so by the time we started it, his leukemia was back up in the 90s and so we had to start from scratch again actually two weeks into it his gums started getting really puffy and his teeth started disappearing into his gums so he had leukemia in his gums we ended up biopsying it and it was the leukemia was there so we decided venetoclax is not working venetoclax might have been but it was the drug that they were lining it up with which we'd found out that he was resistant to Mm. um he also relapsed in his spinal fluid as well mm-hmm. and so we did a couple of rounds of lumbar punctures with the chemo in there as well it got rid of it but then it came back the next round his main oncologist was back and she said gemtuzumab it is we're going to get on this and she had it in there within a week wow um she's like a bullet a gate you know if she wants something done she straight away and she you know threatened a few things I think, mm-hmm. to make it come through to make sure that you know like if you don't do this now he's gonna die pretty much is probably what she told them, which was true. And, you know, they'd had their meeting again. And there was a lot of really high up oncologists saying he's incurable. We wouldn't even touch him. Wow. But she believed in us. You know, Mike's still doing all his research in the background here. And he's coming up saying, we want to do this. This is what we're doing. And yeah, so we met with her and she said, look, you need to understand that he probably won't survive this. Mm. but I know what you guys are like and I know you won't take no for an answer we need to figure out you know like quality of life or um you know or you want to keep fighting and we were like we never want to be able to say that we haven't done everything that we possibly could so we kept fighting and we did the gem two's amount and we got to transplant and the like days before we left, his bone marrow was clear. We got our miracle oh that we gosh. never thought we were going yeah. to get. We thought we were going to be going into transplant still with 30% leukemia cells and hope for the best that that would still take us. Yeah, so then we relocated interstate. So we're in Adelaide in South Australia and we relocated to Melbourne in Victoria. So it's, what, eight hours drive away. Oh, okay. Um, Charlie and I are on the plane. This is still in the middle of COVID. Melbourne is locked down (laughs) they have been for months so we decided to leave Harvey behind because if he came with us he's not allowed to leave the apartment he's not allowed in the hospital right right he would be bored out of his mind and at the time we were going over only one of us was allowed in the hospital at once wow And we would have had to do changeovers downstairs. But thankfully, the week we arrived, those rules changed, and we both could be there. Wow. So then, you know, at least we could both be there for meetings and things like that. So we left Harvey at home between my parents and Mike's parents. And so he'd spend half a week with each of them. And then they'd swap over and he could still go to kindy. So he was busy and doing his thing. And, yeah, so we got over there and they looked at Charlie and just went, this is not the kid that we saw on paper. This kid is great, you yeah. know, like yeah, he's got so much energy because they actually – weren't going to approve doing his transplant until they met him. Yeah, so we got over there and they were just like, okay, let's do this. They did a lumbar puncture while we were there just to see how he was going. And we had the triple chemo in there because the other one wasn't working. So he had like the most intensive one. They'd had about three of them in a row. And so his spinal fluid and his bone marrow were both clear when we went into transplant. And they just said, he's in the best possible place he could be going you know like we're so we're so happy about it and transplant went well because of covid his actual donor cells took six weeks to get to australia and we were freaking out that this wasn't enough time for us but with all the delays it all worked out well in the end but they had to do two weeks quarantine where they came from two weeks quarantine here, like, wow. um, or in Melbourne, and then they had to, Process their, it you such. know, yeah, do all their stuff to it. Yeah, you know, like, normally, they'd be able to get them in straight away, and there's no mm. quarantine. So, you know, that's something that has changed a lot because of COVID as well, yeah. which is so sad. And, you know, like, some kids are missing out on it because right. of right, right. I was yeah. telling I was telling mom that you're going to bring a different perspective, because not only you're doing a child with cancer, but you're doing it through COVID, yeah. which adds mm. all these rules and restrictions and delays and amazing that you got that yeah so we got to Melbourne and Melbourne is really busy in comparison to Adelaide (laughs) and we got there and the streets are empty it's so crazy actually before we went there we went through at the airport we got there mum had upgraded us to business class so that we weren't near anybody I was petrified that Charlie would pick something up on the plane Harvey desperately wanted to come in with me and I Mm. needed mum to hold my hand when I went to the plane (laughs) so I said to Harvey if you're coming in you're wearing a mask and so he put a mask on so then Charlie put his mask on and it was just very cute it was so cute and we got in there and I went oh There's no express, you know, like priority line to get through the security. And I just went up to this lady. I said, my child has leukemia. I cannot line up with all those people. And she's like, come with me. And she took me to the security and she told him and he was like, yep, no worries. And he stopped the whole line. Oh, (laughs) Let us go through. I didn't even have to take Charlie out of the carrier, I think. No, you didn't. No, they just let me go straight through. Whereas normally, you know, they take (laughs) me out of the carrier. Right. They were just, and I said, "Look, he's got a safety pin on the back of his um, top holding his NG tube to his shirt. Is that okay?" Um, you know, and they said, "It's fine. Don't worry about it. You <laughs> know, you know, you're okay." Yeah. And uh, went through, and we we're picking up our bags on the other side as one of my friends who works for one of flight companies comes through and just gives me the massivest hug, and you know, and got us all you know looked after and we went to the gate to check in and happened to see another friend sounds like you know a lot of people i know she does does. (laughs) Um, just in the right place right and she worked for virgin who we were flying with yeah i said to her i know that they've got strict rules of how they clean the seats and everything these days but Mike's pretty able about like making sure it's all safe. I'm gonna wipe the seats down as soon as they come in but is it clean in there and you know like have they done side, you know he's going to touch the window and he's going to touch the side and she's like let me deal with this for you and so she went and she told them to re-clean our seats Mm. and they thoroughly cleaned the entire thing and made sure that we could just go in and sit down and we would be safe that's good and they placed us in the best possible place amazing away from anyone else you know they knew our story when we were getting on anyway and you know like all the things were aligning yes yes um Yeah, so that got us there as safe as possible. And on the other end, you know, I'm like Mike drove over with all of our stuff, so our car was packed and I forgot our coffee machine. (laughs) Oh, no. I had my coffee machine in my backpack. (laughs) Priorities. (laughs) I I sent the coffee but not the coffee machine. uh, Yeah, so we got on the other side and, you know, like taking through Charlie's luggage and my backpack and it's all, you know, stumbling all over the place. And I don't know where to go. This man sort of pointed me in the right direction out the other side. Cause I'm just so like, we're going to Melbourne, you know, like we're going to go and have this transplant and I'm freaked out about it all. And, you know, traveling during COVID and don't want to touch anything and don't want anyone to breathe on Charlie. The lifts are closed and the escalators are closed because of COVID. Mm-hmm. That's right. I don't mm-hmm. want anyone touching the handrails right. Right. or going in the lift. I'm like, how do I get down those stairs? I've got, I'm wearing him in front of me. I've got this suitcase and and this same man just picked it all up and carried it down with me and, yeah, went outside and that was it. We're in Melbourne. We're in the middle of COVID. (laughs) It was crazy. Wow. Yeah. And then that started our transplant journey, which he did so amazing. But then 30 days in, Mike noticed his gums were looking funny again and kept saying, you know, what's going on? And I didn't notice it because in all honesty, from what they were when we left home, they were um, like amazing Mm -hmm. because we could see his teeth again. His teeth would come back, but his gums were a different color and they were still a bit puffy. And they just kept saying, we can't biopsy it because he runs into too many issues of bleeding. And then his glands, yeah, were all swollen and we thought it was getting better. But at two weeks, they were like, look, we're going to have to biopsy them now. And the biopsy came back and said that the leukaemia was back and that it was in his glands Mm. you know his has all been about his face you know with his eye and then his gums and then his glands 23rd of december last year we found out yeah that charlie had relapsed after transplant i googled what that meant and that means we've got six months at the most we're still hopeful Mm -hmm. you know we still think we're going to get our miracle and we've still got our like backup plan in our back pocket um you know using cannabinoids which we'd watched some really amazing documentaries on yeah so christmas oh harvey's birthday is christmas eve oh goodness as soon as we on the 23rd when we found out they actually they came into the room and it was my dad was there um everyone had come over from adelaide harvey finished kindy so they were all over Melbourne was open now, you know, you could go back and forth and everything was fine. About a month in of us being there, everything opened up and two of the doctors and one of the nurses walked in and they just said, so do you want to ring your husband and get him on the phone? And I just looked at them and went, oh, that's not good. Yeah, I said you Obviously, don't have good news for me if you, if you want me to call my husband. And they're like, No, no, we just want him to be on, on the phone. We need to talk to you guys about something. And I was like, Okay, hey, shaking, yeah, feel sick. Mm-hmm. And I just stood there. Dad looked after Charlie at the time while they gave us the news. The gland has come back that that is leukemia. They're like, Do you want to sit down? I'm like, uh-uh, I'm not sitting down. <laughs> I'm not sitting down. I need to stand up. And I just didn't want to didn't want to look at anyone didn't want to do anything and except you know hug my dad and and charlie and so then we had to figure out what the plan was but i said to them i'm not keeping the boys apart any longer you know harvey had been there for by that stage the boys hadn't seen each other for two months And even when we were back home, they got to see each other maybe once a week to once a fortnight because we had to line it up to make sure that he didn't bring anything home from kindy. Mm -hmm. We had to make sure that he was not sick. So he literally could see him on a Monday or a Tuesday because that was three days from being at kindy. We knew that he hadn't picked up anything. And there were some times where he couldn't see him for two weeks because he might have had a cold or Mm -hmm. he'd seen friends on that weekend or something Right, because we, you know, still had to give him a life too for all this, which is so super tough. And the boys, you know, they'd FaceTime all the time. Charlie was always the rainbow unicorn in Aww. FaceTime. He Aww. always had like, yeah. So he's always, he's like, I want to be the unicorn. Aww. So we didn't see Charlie's face. We just see the unicorn. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just said not, not keeping them apart. And they said, we will make sure that Harvey can come in because he's not allowed in the transplant pot. Right. That is strictly for six-year-olds plus, and they'd only just started letting more than two people in. Like, grandparents were only just allowed to start coming in as mum and dad and Graham and Kathy, Mike's parents, came over. Yeah, so they made an exception. Harvey was allowed to come into Charlie's room on his birthday, and so the four of us were together for the first time in I don't know how long. They just said, look, you know, there's a meeting room. You can take Charlie out to the meeting room, but that also puts him at risk. Yes you know like it's only just at the start of the hallway you know it's outside the pod but who else has been in that meeting room and who hasn't been wearing masks in that meeting room and we would clean the whole thing when we went in there and cover him in sanitizer every time he touched anything but we were allowed to use this room for the boys to meet and they had offered us to use that for Christmas Day you know mm-hmm. everyone was over my brother wasn't able to come over but um, my brother-in-law lives in Melbourne and so he was there as well and I would use one of these rooms and I just thought it's just not right for mm-hmm. Christmas Day you know we had all these plans I'd put all these decorations because we were in an apartment I had put all these stickers on the windows to make it feel like Christmas yeah I wanted it to be there you know that was the plan for it to be at the apartment so This was when we finally said yes to palliative care. Mm. Uh, We'd kind of been offered it the month before we left and they said, you know, I know you don't need it right now, but we want you to meet them so that when it's time, it's not a shock to you, you know, like you've already been in contact with them. And we were just like, no, 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 that's us giving up. We're not giving up. We're not getting in on that. Yeah, we finally said yes to them and palliative care are so good at getting you the right drugs to get out of hospital. So they got us five hours out of the hospital on Christmas Day and Mike came in with Harvey and came to pick us up. So I had Christmas morning with Charlie and Mike had it at home at the apartment with Harvey and we all FaceTimed each other in Mm. our Christmas pyjamas, which we were meant to, you know, all be wearing at the same time, you know, and be together and all these, you know, plans that you have that get ruined by all of this. But it was just gorgeous. And as we were on our way out, Santa happens to be walking in. Oh. The present, And so that's just the best thing. Yes. And he's walking out of there like <laughs> he's amazing. He's like, we're getting out. We're like escaping. <laughs> oh. And, yeah, and he pretty much like walked half. The hospital's huge. And he walked halfway Himself until I had to actually lift him up. But he was off lines. He didn't have to have his NG feed going the whole time. So he was able to run around for five hours, Mm. not being attached to anything. And he'd been on fluids and everything for so long. But palliative care made this possible. You know, we wouldn't have got out if it wasn't for them because they can get hold of the drugs that they can have orally. Right. Or just down the tube, rather than actually having them constantly flowing. So we got home, got some time together. We all escaped, and the boys just being able to be together. And I saw a fire truck on the way back to the apartment, and that was the Aww. best thing ever. And they're holding hands, and they're just like, yeah, they're each other. <laughs> and we're all the four, all four of us are in the lift together, going up from you know in at the apartment, and we're like, we've got out of here, we've escaped. <laughs> So we had five hours at the apartment that was just bliss. You know, oh, like yeah. but you know what's going on and I think we tried to protect everybody. We didn't want anyone to be feeling what we were and we wanted to protect them. So we kind of didn't let on how bad things were. I know mum probably knew. And I remember dad said to me that my brother wanted to come over and see me and that was it. I was done. I was bawling my eyes out. And I didn't want anyone to see me cry and at Christmas because I just didn't want them to know how bad it was. In my mind, I was like, he wants to come and he wants to say goodbye to Charlie. And that made it all more real for me. And Mum came up to me and she's like, Are you okay? I'm like, I'm fine. I just <laughs> had to go and clear myself up. Because I knew if mum touched me, I was done for. Like <laughs> yeah. I was gonna say, and yeah. you knew that she wasn't fine, right? I know. I yeah. Tell. Yeah. Yeah. So I went and cleaned myself up and came out and pretended. You know, this is Christmas, nothing's wrong, everything's fine, but I know that this is our last Christmas with Charlie mm. and I didn't want anyone else to know that because I don't want them to hurt either, you True. know, and I'm the one that holds it together, you know, like uh, I'm the strong one. But I really thought we'd get more more time than what we did. But then, oh, and we could see a helicopter pad <laughs> from, our, like, from the boys' bedroom and so they were in there and they are watching the helicopters come, even though it was going on top of one of the hospitals. So, you know, you know when it comes in that it's like, yeah, you know, yeah, somewhat yeah. trouble, but they just thought it was the best thing ever. Aww. So we went in on the 24th. We met with the doctors and they told us what the plan was and we thought we were going in to fight them and say, this is what we want to do. Mm-hmm. And they actually told us the chances aren't great, but we can try this and we were just like, we thought we we're gonna to have to fight you to do that. Oh, <laughs> yes, that's what we want to do. And so the plan was a mild chemo and to have donor lymphocyte infusion. So this is part of the original donor cells, but it's just the lymphocytes, which are the cancer-killing particles of it. So literally, it's a thirty-second push through a syringe and that's it wow yeah it was two mils or something it was tiny tiny amount because we didn't get any GVH, so you need to get graft versus host to kind of attack the leukemia and we didn't get that in his first 30 days so this was sort of trying to get it to come out you know so that it would attack the leukemia and in that Time he had had VOD, which means what does it mean? Oh, a vascular occlusive disease. Yeah, that a <laughs> liver, liver, something to do with your liver. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah when you google that it also says they can die from that and then he got bk virus so bk virus is a little bit like a uti That mm. he was passing blood clots in his wee mm. which he was in so much pain which is mm. why we were still in hospital for christmas because he had these that he was on such high fluid doses and constant platelets and red blood cells to you know help that and his platelets had to stay up high enough because otherwise he'd start right. passing the blood as well again so yeah, so then we've started on the new chemo and he's had the the DLI, the lymphocyte infusion, and probably like maybe twenty days later, at day, probably day about fifty-ish post-transplant, he has a rash on his arms and we were like, Oh, he's got yes. the GVH. You know, like <laughs> Here this go. is what we wanted. We'd like. Been... <laughs> You've been waiting for this this whole time like it was at night time so the night doctor came in and took photos and his photos were terrible so I took my own photos and I sent them to my husband and I said send this to his oncologist so we had a different team in Melbourne mm-hmm. you know they were amazing they were really good at what they do and so I emailed these through myself and she said yeah okay some of them definitely look like GDH and one of the other doctors came in the next day to have a proper look and he said look I think there's two rashes there this one definitely looks like gdh but this one looks like porpals, palpals i'm not quite sure mm. how you pronounce it but mm. i've done my research and i know that that means leukemia and he didn't tell me that he just was like we're going to do a biopsy and so they took biopsies of them they wanted to just see how far progressed everything was Mm -hmm. but i had to put it down and check in his stomach as well because they thought he had gvh of the gut as well Mm -hmm. and so we did we found out that he had medium gvh of the gut which is good this is all what we want. We don't want anything worse than that. We probably don't want GVH of the gut, but medium to mild, that's fine. I mean, something's happening. And that the skin had GVH but also had leukaemia in wow. his skin. So we're like, well, what does this mean? Does this mean that the GVH is attacking the leukaemia and chasing it, maybe? Mm. you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Maybe it's, you know, it's doing, and that's why it's moving around. And they started him on the steroids. So the steroids help with the GVH. So he doesn't get too many like bad side effects from it Mm -hmm. and to control the pain. Yes. We decided we'd have his birthday on the Sunday, which was a week before his actual birthday or the Saturday. Sorry, Um, because my in-laws were going back home on the Sunday or the Monday. So I really wanted everyone to be together. We didn't change it for any reason other than the fact that Everyone was there. Let's right. do it while we are because otherwise we won't be home till February. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. That was the plan. And so Charlie's telling all his nurses that he's having a giraffe cake for his birthday. Oh. And I had not organized a giraffe cake. I hadn't organized anything. Um, we got given a smash cake as part of like from one of the charities. And so I was like, well, we're just having smash cake. I didn't even know what a smash cake was. I kind of oh. thought it was you know, like the first birthdays and they yeah. smash the cake yeah. and they like get it uh-huh. over yeah. their face and stuff. I thought it was that. Oh. I didn't realize. What is it? It's chocolate. A shell. It's a chocolate it? mold. Like mm. it's a chocolate oh. shell filled with lollies. And you get a and hammer. And... The yes. And oh, awesome. no. It's awesome. It's awesome. I thought it's it was so the I first. Was like, I thought that was <laughs> what it was too. Maybe I can just get a giraffe and put it on top of this. Yeah. I didn't realize it was chocolate, like actual yeah. chocolate. Yeah. yeah. It was a cupcake shape, so you couldn't put anything on top. Of oh. It. So I put the word out on Facebook, and this was like two days before, this wasn't it? Yeah. This is on the Thursday morning, not knowing what to do because he's telling all the nurses. I've been telling them <laughs> yeah, for about can. four days that he's having a giraffe cake for his birthday on the weekend, and I was like, okay, Are we? No- no, he's not. You are um, now, mom. I know. I'm like, how do I do this? So I had all these people saying, you know, there's a charity over here and they make cakes last minute for Cancer Kids. And so I tried them, but I don't know. They were in like some in the country. I don't actually think oh. they're in Australia. Oh. Um, and then I had a friend who she just said, look, I've got a friend that lives in Melbourne do you want her to just make the giraffe? What are you looking for? And I was like, well, I've just found out it's not a real cake. So I think I need the whole thing now. Oh! By midday on Thursday, this girl had contacted me and started making this cake for Charlie. And then 9am on Saturday, she dropped it off to our apartment for us and it was perfect. Like She just absolutely got me and got the cake totally perfect. And we went in and Charlie's started his steroids that day and Mike said to me he's he doesn't want to get changed he doesn't want to get dressed today like this Mm. 15 minutes before we're meant to arrive and a few days earlier he'd said oh we got him a um unicorn onesie him and his brother a unicorn onesie for christmas and Charlie wanted to go on the balcony at the apartment, and Mum said, "If you want to go on the balcony, you have to wear the onesie. Something yes, like, warm, uh, Because it's cold." <laughs> oh, and windy. Right, we're in the middle of summer, but it was cold and windy that day. Yeah, and uh, so he couldn't get on quick enough. Oh, so <laughs> and he went out there. So then <laughs> before his party, I said, "Do you want to wear a unicorn onesie on your party?" And he was like, "Yes." I'm oh, like, wow. okay. So I sent it in, and I said to my husband, "He really wants to wear this for his birthday." And you yeah, know, fifteen minutes before, he's like, he is so grumpy. He is mm. like major steroid grumpy. Yeah, oh. steroid grumpy. <laughs> I don't know how this is gonna go. He doesn't want to get dressed, and he he's like, we're on our way out now. And I went and stood by the double doors. You know, they gave us a room, the like meeting room to use for his party and everything. And mm. so I went and waited by the doors, and they're coming out of the pot and he's in his unicorn ones. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and here he comes and he was just so proud of himself he's like mama (laughs) yeah then walks into his party and he had two hours off lines again because mm. um, pretty much he was on them 24-7 right. from 10 days pre-transplant and so he was off his lines and we just had two hours of absolute bliss I completely forgot that he had cancer at that moment oh like you just, do you do it's, it was just, it just the most normal. incredible incredible day and mm. palliative care had asked us if we wanted to do a family shoot and I said nah we're not that type of people yeah. but do you know what we've got all the family coming for his birthday do you think that maybe they could just be there and take photos in the background of us just doing our thing and they did she got some of the most incredible shots there was one photo of charlie kissing like um, blowing a kiss and he just did it for her. like he, he loved the camera most of the time <laughs> it was time to he's like I, I, I don't want photos because he's just copying what his brother would say but most of the time he loved he loved the camera and loved mm. being on it loved Aww. looking at himself and um yeah. And so she just got these amazing shots and he saw his giraffe cake and he was just like, oh, oh yeah, like he, was so, magic. he was so happy with it. Oh, oh my gosh, downhill. how cute is that picture? I just showed her the picture. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <it>, but- oh. <laughs> so, you know, a few days later, things started going downhill. We were taking turns. So I would be in the hospital from Tuesday morning through to Friday night and Mike would come and maybe see me for one hour a day but when Harvey was in Melbourne we didn't do that because he couldn't come in Mm -hmm. so we would literally be away from them for that entire time and then Mike would come in on Friday night until Tuesday morning and yeah he just there was one day and he was really worried and I said to mum and dad you have to get here straight away I need to go in and see him and you know by the time that you know, with everything that was going on in that day. It just, it was 5.30 and Charlie was asleep. So it just was, it was just too hard. And Mike said, look, it's not urgent. We've got time. It's okay. So we swapped over on the Tuesday. And that morning, one of the doctors said, there's blasts in his blood. And, you know, being through what we've been through, we know what that means. And we know that that means that it's not good. And so that the, you know, the chemo and the DLI, even though we had the GVH, it wasn't, the leukaemia was just too, too strong Mm. and so by that afternoon they said it's doubling in a matter of hours Mm. so we're going to send you home so mum and I packed up Charlie's room and because of COVID they didn't have a play therapist they were minimizing the amount of people that were coming in so we had brought in all of our own toys Charlie's room was packed and Charlie was the most amazing artist um So if, artist. <laughs> yeah. um, I have to actually, I'm going to send you a photo of his walls. So his, every single wall was covered. Oh. We were about to ask for a ladder to start putting them on the roof. Oh. So just, every wall was covered in pictures. So it took me three hours to take the pictures off the wall. Oh my gosh. Didn't want them to rip and all had right. to take all the blue tack off them. And yeah. And meanwhile, they gave us another room to move into that anyone could come into. We could have as many people as we like in there, which... I'm like, why didn't you do this earlier? <laughs> 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 why couldn't we have done this ages ago? And the boys could be together like every day, yeah. you know. Meanwhile, Mike is at home packing up the apartment that we had so much stuff in. Thankfully, I'd kind of packed the stuff to send home with mum and dad because they were leaving soon to go back to Adelaide. So I had packed up all of Harvey's things, but there was still an entire apartment full of stuff. And yeah. we bought blankets and sheets and covers because you don't want any risk of anything being in those as well we didn't even have a cleaner come and clean our apartment I had to do that all myself because we didn't want any outsiders coming in they would deliver the towels and the bedding and everything to the front door and we would then put the the old stuff out there for them so yeah we literally five o'clock Found out that the next day we were going home, back to Adelaide. So we packed up everything. Harvey came in and he spent hours with Charlie and they just played Lego sitting on the bed. And then that night was just awful. Mum stayed with me. They had two beds in the room that we could use. We had a double room. He just, he was in so much pain mm. that night. Like it was just it was awful. Awful. And palliative care had said to me, you know, what do you think? Would you rather him be so dosed up and a bit out of it but in less pain? And mm. I was like, as long as he's not in pain, I just don't want him to be in pain. And so that night we pretty much had, ner- like the nurse didn't leave our room that whole night. She was in and out. Mum and I were taking turns of lying in bed with Charlie because he just didn't want to be on his own. Yeah, It was moments where he was fast asleep and I was like I snuck off and slept in my bed for an hour or so. But I just couldn't sleep. I was just, you know, in a daze, didn't eat for about three days straight because I just couldn't stomach anything because you know what's coming. And at midnight, they told us that the retrieval team are coming at midday the next day and that the plan was that we were going at midday. And we're like, this is so fast. It's crazy. So my husband and Harvey drove home at five o'clock in the morning after him being up till one o'clock in the morning packing. Wow. Wow. And so they drove home we also started the cannabinoids that night we got approval from the hospital they made sure that there would be no interactions with the medications that they were on we had to sign a waiver about it and so we started giving it to him ourselves the next morning he couldn't lift his head up he couldn't move sorry grandma
1: <laughs> she does this all
0: the time don't don't even worry <laughs> It's so hard hearing someone else's story, isn't it? Yeah. So we thought just the way he was that day, we were saying goodbye to him. You know, we thought this was it. Absolutely. Dad had come in as well. So it was just the three of us there with Charlie and Mike and Harvey got home at about one o'clock in the afternoon so that they would be there for when we arrive and they were like, right, the flying doctor's team, the retrieval team have arrived, they're here and they need to meet with you. So I had to go out and meet with them and have them tell me that Charlie probably wouldn't make it home, Mm. that I needed to be prepared, that we might lose him on the flight or that we might not even make it on the flight because they've just got to see how he does in the ambulance on the way there. And I pretty much was told this in three separate meetings. They kept coming in and grabbing me pulling me out of there and all I wanted to do was be with my child mm-hmm. and all Charlie wanted to do was be with mum mm-hmm. <laughs> ready, ready wins <laughs> give me my baby I need my baby I want granny and so I just sat you know like we all sat there and had a cuddle with them and then they came in again and they're like we need to pull you out again I'm sorry I'm like you can talk in front of my parents it's fine you can talk here and they're like no we need to take you out and they just the room was so big they could have so many people in there it was like bigger than the meeting room they kept taking me to when we got home our oncologist told us that they actually had a hundred people on a FaceTime meeting about getting Charlie home oh my gosh to work out if they could do it or not and yeah they just kept pulling me back and one of the meetings the doctor was taking us that was taking us home so he him and the nurse go on the flight with us so they're the retrieval team sent from our home hospital over to Melbourne to pick us up and take us home and he said to me I just need to make you aware that with crossing the border I know this is Australia so it's ridiculous that they have this rule we're not like going international or anything but with crossing the border that if something was to go wrong within 24 hours of him crossing the border he would be taken away from you for two weeks because they'd have to do an autopsy because wow. he'd become, what is it called, like custody yeah. of the state, state or something yeah. like that. And I was like, what? Um, <laughs> so I just want to be really honest with you. I gave him our medications at 8 o'clock this morning because I didn't want, I've skipped his middle of the day one because I didn't want any complications if for any reason anything went wrong. And he turns to me and he's like, thank you for being honest, but I'm not talking about what you're giving him. <laughs> <laughs> i was like then i realized what he was saying he hadn't talked about the autopsy i just was like i don't want to get in trouble if they have to like test him and see what's going on and he's got like cannabinoids in him (laughs) Um, (laughs) because in australia what are you doing (laughs) so i just said look i know my son I know he can do this. He's doing amazing. You know, like he was on very, a very small amount of oxygen just that morning, pretty much an hour before they came to pick him up. He needed oxygen. And I just said, look, I know my son, he's fine. We can get home. He'll he'll be right. And they said, look, you know, the first test is in the ambulance. And if he can get from the ambulance to the airport, and he's okay. Then that's fine. By this stage, he hadn't spoken for almost 24 hours. Had he? It was very quiet. It was really quiet. He could barely lift his head up. He was so out of it. They got him on the trolley to take him, and he was kind of like, "Yep, whatever. This is this is what happens. I'm totally fine going in. You know, like on a ambulance stretcher." And got him in the ambulance, and the whole journey to the. He's like, "Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there?" And I was like, "No, we're not yet, buddy." But good job, and you know, (laughs) watching his obs the whole time, and it was like, you know, well, he knew, he knew where we were going, and he never thought he'd go home. He used to say that I live at the hospital, and my brother lives at home. Mm. And he just, he was so aware of everything. I remember, you know, on the twenty third when we found out, I was crying, and he looked at me. He said, "Why are you crying, mummy? Is it because of me?" And I just said, "No, baby, it's not because." of you it's because of the disease and he's like I'm so sorry oh. and he just you know like he just was so he knew it he knew it all so we yeah so we got to the airport and the doctor said he's done this one all right cool we you know like he's passed this test let's get him on the plane and let's go and they told me this isn't a normal flight so there's no snacks and no. I'm like is there alcohol on the plane please <laughs> <water>. <laughs> and they're like no there's no alcohol on the oh. plane but- <laughs> eaten for three days so they insisted that I took snacks on the plane and seriously for an hour and a half flight I don't need snacks but I listened to them they also said I needed an iPad that I downloaded shows for him to watch on there well you can't watch anything on the plane because it's like the plane is one of these ones like you jump out of to go oh Oh. it's tiny it's tiny and it's loud oh there's no watching shows so they're like look take out what you need from your bag because then they take your bag away from you. So I had all this stuff and I'm like this, getting on the plane, like all my stuff. I've got the iPad and my phone and my water bottle and his water bottle, a can of Coke and a packet of chips because they've insisted that I need to eat something and um, then get on there and there's nowhere to put it. Mm-hmm. So, and then Charlie pretty much fell asleep moments after getting on the plane anyway. And he had, so his nasogastric gastric tube, because he'd been throwing up that day, it was attached to a bag so that when he threw up instead of it actually coming out of his mouth it just went straight he didn't actually throw up it just went straight through his ng tube into this bag wow we're flying along he's made this noise and i've looked and he's thrown up you know like it's all gone out into this bag and i'm having a look at it and it looks dark and i was freaking out and like Is there blood in it? You know, I I don't know what. And as I'm leaning across, my can of Coke falls out from between my legs and smashes underneath the nurse and starts spinning Coke everywhere in the plane. And I'm just like, shit, 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 shit." (laughs) Harvey's heard me say this so many times. He's like, this is where mummy says shit, shit, shit. (laughs) And so the nurse has no idea what's going on because it's under his seat. The doctor can see it, and the Royal Flying Doctor's um, lady she can see it as well, and they're both freaking out because underneath this is all the electrical equipment. Oh no! Oh. <laughs> and I still have my full, I still don't. <laughs> So they're giving me wax and they've just grabbed this massive pull-up like an adult size pull-up and ripped it apart and started drying the floor with this. Thing. Wow! and we're just like going nuts cleaning the floor and the nurse passes me back this half like empty can of coke what do, you do with it I can't I've got no bin so I just had to crack the rest of it open and drink it so it disappeared but I was mortified. I just said, am so sorry. You are never letting me on this plane again. And he, um, he was like, Look, you know, you've got bigger things to deal with right, right now. Please don't feel bad. But I was like, I'm sure I would have been bright red. <laughs> I would so embarrassed. Charlie's sleeping through the whole thing. Of baby. course. And his obs, while we're on the plane, his ob's were better than we'd seen them in like. Wow the whole day it's like he knew and we got home and they were better than ever and you know like we'd been on the plane with them for all this time with our masks on and we get back into Adelaide and we pull up to the hospital and we're like you're in Adelaide now you don't have to wear your mask anymore Wow, and it feels so weird because yeah. we'd been in Melbourne for um, right. like three and a half months and we got hot and we we're in our home hospital and it was just like as soon as we got there and we got back onto the ward where we've been you know for the last few years and It was like Charlie and I both just went, you know, Mm. like we can breathe, we're home. And, you know, Heather came in and it was like, it's hard because of COVID. We didn't want to hug, but we kind of had this awkward, like, I want to give you a massive hug. Yeah, Yeah, you know, we just had such a beautiful bond and, you know, had a really good night. Uh, He slept really well that night. We were, we seemed to be more on top of his medications but the rulings are different in Adelaide to Melbourne so because they're all ketamines his are all locked away in a box with like keys on them whereas in Melbourne they don't have that they mm. don't, they're not locked away they just go through the normal pump the next morning so I was there on my own Mike and Charlie came in before we went to bed and you know like they met us there that night and came in but the next morning, you know, Charlie did this, you know, like mm. the arching and he got stuck in that position. And I was on the bed with him and I couldn't do anything. I couldn't reach the buzzer. Mm. And I was like, I'm losing him. This is it. And finally, you know, and I was just like, breathe, breathe. Like his face was going red and he just he wasn't breathing and then finally you know took a breath again but the pain was just so bad that it made him seize Mm. up like that and I finally got to and I pressed the staff button I didn't want to press the red emergency button and I didn't want to press the normal call button but I knew if I press the staff button you know they'll come running pretty quick but it won't it won't be the overhead like oh you know (laughs) bringing it every single doctor and so they came in and we just knew that you know it was they said, "Look, this is going to start happening more often as he comes to the end. You know, like this is telling you that it's it's close." And I just said to Mike, "You've got to come in now. You can't, like everyone needs to come and see him today." And so he sorted out a schedule where my brother and his um, partner could come in first because they hadn't seen Charlie for months. But they were the first ones, and then you know everyone else could kind of follow on from there. And and that we made a deal with the nurses that if we press that staff bell, it means that he needs to have a um, a bolus so like a, a shot. Of the drug um, to top him back up again. And so they knew that that meant they need two of them and the folder and, you know, rather than just coming when they feel like it, when the next, you know, time is. And we had a pretty good deal with them. By this stage, his white blood cells are going down. So we're thinking... The cannabinoids are working, Mm -hmm. but normally they don't blood test at this time. Mm. But we just said, we want tests done. Um, And also when we got back home, they stopped doing these obs. They pretty much just left us in this room. They gave us the biggest room, but it's called the dungeon. It's like the furthest end room of the ward. It's really dark and it's really it's where they do radiation stuff and it's got a steel toilet with no toilet seat on it like it's so weird it's like it's like a prison yeah but it's all because of the radiation like they can't have anything you know so yeah they just gave us that room because it was the biggest and we could have whoever we wanted in there they said there's no rules right now you can do whatever you want whereas you know if you're in one of the other rooms you have to stick to the rules yeah so we had everyone come through the doctor came in and I said, you know, what does this say? You know, like his white blood cells have halved. And she's like, I don't know. And I said, I looked at her with hope and she just grabbed my shoulders and she was like, please don't, please. Like, you know, because this was hurting her as well, you know. (sighs) everyone loved Charlie and he loved, he loved Heather too, you know, not just, not just us, like connecting with her, like he adored her and he played with her and she'd come and talk to give us like updates, usually around his sleep time. And she'd end up putting him to sleep because of Mm -hmm. her, her calming voice. So then the next day, some of my girlfriends came and saw him and one of them, she lost her mum to AML. So she was Mm. coming to tell her that, you know, her mum was up there and she'd look out for him as well. And Mm -hmm. they read him stories. And then actually by that afternoon, they let us go home. They set us up at the house, everything we possibly could need. And, you know, he was on a higher rate of oxygen by that stage. They took us home in the ambulance because he couldn't lift his head. And we really thought, you know, like we've got a day maybe left. You know, we really didn't think we'd had much time. And the next morning he woke up, he sat up himself and he wanted to play. And we mm. were like, maybe it is working, what? you know, like yeah. what's going on? <laughs> yeah, We we had his bloods done again out of curiosity. They topped up his red bloods and his platelets the day that we went home to make sure that, you know, he would have those to last Um And I think that that was maybe the Friday he woke up and he was doing quite well and then he walked and we were just like, what's going on? You haven't been able to lift your head for two or three days and now you're walking and playing and laughing and it was, you know, you just had this, second whim. yeah he was so happy to be in his own house and in his fire engine bed and we had some friends send out the cfs to us like the country fire service and they came and you know had the fire truck go up and down and ring the siren for him and you know gave him some special some special times and then we got to the monday which was his actual birthday and we had another party for him but that morning he woke up and he was just he'd gone downhill quite a bit, you know, we had to hold him up to he we let him smash his birthday cake again because he thought that was the best thing ever. So we had to hold him up to do that. And we just, you know, we were all around him for that day. Tuesday he pretty much slept all day. I took Harvey out to see a friend for a little while to get him out of the house and to wear some energy off. And Mike messaged me and said he's at the top, like his oxygen was turned up as high as it could go, couldn't go any higher. And it was still alarming saying that he still, he didn't have enough. And so I came home straight away and Harvey stayed with his friend and came home later that night. Um, Mike and I were taking turns of sleeping in Charlie's bedroom. We had the OBS machine on all night, you know, just to see what was going on. And the night before it had alarmed, his heart rate had gone up really high and I didn't want to leave him. So I ring Mike and he comes in from the room next door and, you know, thinking maybe it's close. And then, so this Tuesday, Harvey, Harvey wakes up in the middle of the night and he said, mummy, I've had a bad dream. And I put him back to bed and then he comes in again. And I was like, look, just get in bed with me. And he got into bed with me and Mike came in minutes later. And in this time, I had just, I was wide awake by this stage and I'd read how to say goodbye, mm. um, how to know it's close and what, what to say so that they feel like they can move on and they're not holding on for you anymore. Oh, gosh. And he came in and he just said, it's time and I said, Harvey's in bed with me. So said, it's fine. All of us, it's time. Everything was alarming. His oxygen was alarming. His heart rate was alarming. It was through the roof. It was like 190 beats a minute or something ridiculous. And we went in there and we just held Charlie. We talked to him and we told him how much we love him and that we're so proud of him and that he fought for so long. And then I read him, he calls it his closing his eyes story, which is broom on the broom. And I read that to him and we were there for about 40 minutes. We'd turned everything off. We'd turned the oxygen off and he had this little magic stone, which had made one for both the boys. It's just cherry blossom flowers from our garden that Harvey and I had dried out and set in resin. And so the boys had one each, so they were always together. So he had that in his hand we were all holding his hand. I had my hand on his chest and I felt his heart racing and then starting to slow down and slowly slowing until it actually stopped beating. And we were all, yeah, we were just all there together. And it was a beautiful moment. He was just peaceful. He didn't gasp or anything like that. I saw my grandfather pass a few years ago and the last minute he sort of reached out and gasped and reached for my granny. And that it has just held in my mind, you know, ever since and it was quite hard to see and to see Charlie just so peaceful and just passing in his sleep and actually being, it was very, um, it was a very beautiful moment and for us to all be together. Yeah, then the messages went out to the family and told them, but Harvey was like, he's opening his eyes, mummy, he's opening his eyes, look, look, and because of him being on his angle, his eyes did look a little bit open and we just had to keep saying, you know, remember daddy told you that, the doctors are going to make him comfortable so that he will go to sleep and he won't wake up again. And he's gone to be with the rainbows and the unicorns and the stars and, you know, like he's no longer in pain and he still wasn't getting it until we just said, you know, like you talk about things dying. My poor dog, he talks about when a, when the dog's going to die because he's getting old. <laughs> and I just had to say that and he just got it straight away and he just jumped up into Mike's arms. And he just got it. But, you know, like he gets it now. and. We see rainbows and he just walks past <laughs> and it's just like, hey, Charlie, how you doing? You know, and we all do. He gives us so many rainbows. It's so cool. Or in a lift the other day and we just saw this girl and she was head to toe covered in unicorns. Like her top was completely <laughs> covered and her pants had unicorns and she had unicorns on her shoes. And she gets out of the lift and he just looks at me and he goes, oh, Mummy, we're in the lift with Charlie. <laughs> You know, like, it's just, it's so nice. And, you know, like, I swear he can probably see him, you know. (laughs) Like, I don't know. I reckon he does. Yeah. 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 So, you know, as hard as it is, it was just a relief, I think, and to not be in that world anymore. Like, you know, we're still in the world because got lots of friends going through it. But it's so nice to not be living at a hospital or watching your child and having that anxiety of being so wrapped up, waiting for the next. Right bombshell you know like I think when he got picked up by the funeral home that afternoon we just all breathed a relief of sigh that it's over wasn't helpful that it was Harvey's first day of primary school Mm. and with all the family there and friends coming and going to say their goodbyes to Charlie he was just like "Uh, uh, I'm not going today (laughs) that is fine dude (laughs) like you can stay home yeah so he ended up he went the next day and and took a while to settle in, but he's um he's in his place now, isn't he? He, he sure is. So well. He sure is. He's doing yeah. really well. Wow. Yeah. What an incredible yeah. story. But we're not done yet, but I think we need a break to digest a little bit come back and sort of check in with you if that's okay absolutely thank you for joining us on our childhood cancer grief journey and sharing your grief with the griefist community we will continue our grief journey on the next one love you